0: Well, last week, because we were gone, uh, obviously we were not in our study of Ecclesiastes, and so it's been a couple of weeks since we've been here. And rather than try to make you to remember what we talked about two weeks ago, we're just going to jump into this message, because today's message has nothing to do with the one from two weeks ago. But I want to begin this morning like I usually do. I just want to give us a thought to consider, a couple of thoughts rather, this morning to consider and to think about and then we'll get to the passage in just a moment. Several years ago, I can remember this like it was yesterday, but several years ago there were some things going on at the church and there were some things happening, and it was taxing my brain and it was taxing my thoughts, it was taxing my emotions in ways that I was not normally taxed or that uh, was not ordinary or customary for me. And so I remember one day in the midst of these things that were happening uh, here at the church and just some things that were going on in my own personal life, I, I remember one day for lunch I did not call Susie and ask her if she wanted to go eat. I just somehow let her know that I was going to be busy that afternoon. And I went to a restaurant here in town that I knew would be nice and quiet. There wouldn't be anyone there that I would know most likely. And I went and I had lunch all by myself. I just sat there and I just enjoyed the peace and the quiet, and I just relished those moments of not talking to anyone about anything of any importance. Now, I say that this morning for this reason that I know that there are times that we need to be alone. I know there are times that we need to just have some time to ourselves. I I know that. That there are times where it is profitable, where it is good for us to have those moments where it's just us and some time to think and some time to reflect. But as I think about that, I cannot deny this truth that that is not how God designed us as individuals to go through life. God did not design us as individuals to go through life alone, and there are many examples that I could point to this morning to prove that statement. That God did not design us as individuals to be alone. He did not design us to live these isolated, uh, secluded uh, uh, approaches to life. God created us to be social beings, and and Genesis chapter two, verse number eighteen makes that point very clear. If you know the context of Genesis chapter 2, you know that the earth has just recently been created by God. We know that everything has been put in its place. And yet in the midst of all that, here is Adam, and it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18, it is not good that man should be alone. So God said of Adam that it is not good for man to be alone. So what does it mean to be alone? Again, it means to be isolated or to be separated from others. And this word good is dealing with, among other things, the thought or the notion of being beneficial. And so here is what God said of Adam, that it was not good, that it was not beneficial, that in the long run it would not be profitable. For him to be alone or isolated or excluded or separated from from everything else, and so what did God begin doing? He began the process of bringing about Eve to be that helpmeet in Adam's life, right? Okay, and so what God was doing was providing someone for Adam because God knew that it was not good, profitable in the best interest of Adam to go through life alone, separated, excluded, going through it solo, so to speak. And now if you think about that, I'm sure you've probably given this some thought in the past, but I had never really thought about this, at least that I remembered ever thinking about it. But if you think about this statement that God makes, that it was not good for Adam to be alone, that statement was made in the midst of of a perfect environment this was before the fall took place this was before sin came into this world it was before any kind of blemishes had had affected this perfect world that god had created so even in the midst of a perfect world here is what god declared of the man he had created that it was not good or beneficial or profitable for him to go through life secluded and separated from everything else. So in this perfect world, here is what God did. God said, I'm going to give you someone, Adam, because you need someone. You need this in your life. And as you go through the scripture, here's what you find over and over again, that as God allows people to be entered or allows people to be a part of this earth. Throughout the scripture, here's what he did is he made sure that they had people to go through life with these people. So that doesn't make much sense to me. I understand. Just give me a second and I'll illustrate it. Did Moses go through his experience of leading the children of Israel alone through the wilderness for 40 years? The answer to that question would be no. God gave him Aaron to go through this experience with him. You look at the ministry of one like Elijah, and he had the help of the one named Elisha. David had his friend by the name of Jonathan. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego each had each other. When Christ sent out the disciples to do ministry, he sent them out in groups of two. You look at Paul, and as he traveled throughout their country, preaching the gospel and ministering to those that he came into contact with. He always traveled with people. The point is this, though it is sometimes good, and though it serves a purpose sometimes for us to have some alone time, it is not best for us to go through life alone. We need people. Now, as that is so... We're in Ecclesiastes, are we not? And what is Solomon engaged in? He is engaged in this journey. He is engaged in this effort to find answers to life's questions. He is involved in this process of of trying to gain understanding of the purpose of life, the meaning of life, the best approach to life. And so it should come as no surprise to us that in Solomon's endeavor to find answers for the questions he had in his life, it makes sense, does it not, that he would come to the same conclusion as God about certain things? And if he came to a conclusion different than God's, we would know this, that Solomon was messed up, not God, right? Okay. And so here is Solomon going through this endeavor, going through this process of trying to find answers to the questions he has in life. And notice what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse number 9. In chapter 4, verse number 9, Solomon said this. Two are better than one. It's not a real difficult statement to understand, is it? Maybe it is, but I don't think it is. Solomon says two are better than one. We understand what the one is a reference to, do we not? It's a single, individual Isolated person. it is one who is separated from others. It is one who is excluded from others. It is a person who is all by themselves. And so what Solomon said is this is that two are better than one, meaning when you have more than one person, it is better or it is more profitable, or it is to the advantage than to go through life all by yourself. Now as Solomon makes this statement, I want us to understand something. He's not talking here about the subject of marriage. Okay, so don't assume in your mind that he's saying, well, it's best to go through life married than to go through life single. Some would argue that. Some would say it's better to go through life single than to go through life married to this jerk. Okay, so Solomon is not talking here about the idea of marriage, though it could include marriage, but he said two are better than one. For this reason or because they have a good reward for their labor. They have a good reward for their labor. What does it mean to have a good reward for your labor? It means this. There is a benefit to having someone in your life to go through this experience with you. It is good. It is better. It is profitable it is it is to your advantage to go through life with someone rather than by yourself two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor and in verse 10 down through 12 he makes some statements that many of us are familiar with he said in verse number 10 for if they fall the one will lift up his fellow We understand what that means, do we not? It's just a picture being given here that if two are walking along and one should fall, there is that friend, there is that companion, there is that that helper that would help them to to rise back up. So if he falls, then there is one to, to lift him up. He said in verse number 11, again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And then in verse number 12, he said, And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And so he said, if one should come under attack, then with the combination of the two, it would help withstand the attack. So you understand the picture here. Very simple. Two are better than one. Two is to the advantage of the person rather than going through life singularly or individually. You're just better off, Solomon says, to go through life with some kind of a companion, some kind of a partner, some kind of a helper. And again, he said, if you fall, he'll pick you up or they'll pick you up. You can get heat and you can withstand the attack. And notice what he said in verse number 10. Go back to that. It says, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Woe to him that is alone when he falleth. What does it mean whenever he says woe? Well, it's the idea of someone who uh, deserves pity or some kind of sympathy. Sympathy or pity is to be extended to the one who goes through life alone. Would we agree with that? We should if we believe what the scripture says, that it is not good for man to be alone. Okay? So we are to be pitied and we are to be sorrowed and, and sympathy should be given to the person who goes through life alone because they don't have that helper, they don't have that companion in their times of need or in their times of of attack whatever it may be and so as you consider all that then you look back down in verse number 12 he said this and if one prevail against him two shall withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken a threefold cord is not quickly broken so what is that a reference to well it's a reference to three different cords that have been folded or braided into one another And it has made a tighter, stronger strand. And what Solomon said was this, is that whenever three have come together, you're not going to quickly or easily tear that apart. And so what seems to be the idea is this, is that there is strength in numbers. There is strength in numbers. Two are better than one, but guess what? Three would be better than two. Four would be better than three, five would be better than four, and we could carry this out a long ways. You see that, don't you? Okay, the more that are united, the more that come together, the more that share in a common cause or in a common goal or a common agenda, the more there are who come together the stronger that union will be, and it will not be quickly or easily broken. And so again, Solomon comes to the same conclusion that God declared in Genesis chapter 2, it is not good for men and women to go through life alone. We need people. We need people. Now as clear as that is, Think about this truth for just a moment. Some of you know this to be true. All of us should know it to be true if we'll just be honest. All throughout the history of man, men have been of the mindset and men have been of the opinion that they know better than God. Right? Whatever God has said, with the aid of Satan planting that seed of doubt and skepticism and rebellion in the heart and mind of the individual, here is what man has always concluded for themselves in their flesh that they know better than God. See, just go back to the original sin, the original fall with Adam and Eve. Here's what God said. Do not eat of this fruit. You can eat of every other tree in the garden, but do not eat the fruit of this tree. And Satan said, yea, hath God said. And that's when Adam and Eve began saying in their minds, hey, don't we know better than God? Well, see, all through the history of man, from that moment in the garden, man has been entertaining the same questions and the same thoughts. Is this really what God said? And don't I know better than what God has already declared? Now, think about that struggle that mankind deals with by way of questioning the authority of God and assuming that they know better than what God does or what God knows And here is what you have. You have men and women to this day who think they'll be fine trying to go through life isolated and alone. There are people like that who exist. There are people who even though God has designed us as social creatures and as social beings there are men and women and even children at times who are of the mindset that they don't need people. Or what we'll do is, is we'll just get our own little select group of people, but we're not going to branch out and make this a very big circle that we're a part of. And so you have these people "...and God has declared it's not good for man to be alone, and Solomon has said two is better than one, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken." The Word of God makes it clear that friendships and relationships are valuable and profitable and they serve a purpose, and yet you have men and women who have decided, nope, I know better than God, and I'm going to go through life isolated and alone, and though it seems to go well for a while, it always comes back to bite that person at some point in the future. Because we don't know better than God say, well, do you have any examples to prove what you're saying? The answer is yes, I do have examples. Well, do you have any that you could share with us this morning? Yes, I have one that I'm ready to share with you this morning, and I know you're excited to hear it, okay? So here is the example. Fourteen years ago, we moved into our house there on Duncan Street, and we had neighbors to our right and neighbors to our left, and, and they're both fine neighbors. They're, they're both decent people to be around. Not a problem, really, with any of our neighbors but the neighbor to our south they have taken almost a sense of pride in their isolationist approach to living they've been very honest about it they've they've made no bones about it that that they live a pretty isolated secluded life and And they don't really branch out to anyone other than just themselves as husband and wife. Seemed to go well for many, many years. Until the health issues began to crop up and until the health issues began to arise. And over the last couple of years, you know what Susie and I have noticed? This exclusionary, isolated, we're-not-going-to-branch-out approach to life has led them to months to where even their own family doesn't check on them by way of a visit or coming in to spend time with them. When she had a stroke and had brain surgery and was in the hospital for many days... Family never came to visit. When he fell and broke his hip and was put into the nursing home, for many months, Susie and the girls were the only ones who ever stopped by to visit him. Church family never came by because church family has never been a part of their life. Friends never stopped in because they never made friends. You see what happened with them? They're going to go through life and they're not going to to branch outside of themselves. We're going to be isolated and secluded and we're going to remove ourselves from everyone and we'll be okay because we know better than God. No, you don't know better than God. They needed people as much as anyone else needs people. Now I say all that to say this. There are some, even in church, and you know what they struggle with? They struggle to be social beings. Because they don't want to be social beings. And they think they'll be fine without the social aspect in their life. You understand this? Now, you may say, who struggles with such a thing? Well, let's start with yourself. And I'll start with myself. Because all of us, to an extent, struggle with being as social as As we ought to be, because by nature, we are going to rebel against what God has set in place for us. See, by nature, I am going to rebel against what God has ordained and what God has declared. And so what's going to happen is, is I am going to need people greater than I am going to realize I need people. And whether you would realize it or admit it this morning or not, for many of you, you need people more than you realize you need people. Because right now, everything's going okay and everything's going fine. But see, if we don't do what is necessary... To have the relationships, then there will come a day in our lives where we regret not having them because two really are better than one. The threefold cord is not quickly broken, and there is always more strength in number. So let me ask you something. What serves as a challenge to being the social creatures God designed us to be? What serves as that challenge? Well, I think part of the answer, at least, is given in verse number 9. So verse number 9, what do you mean? Well, notice there. He said, two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their what? For their labor. They have a good reward for their labor. What is labor talking about? What is labor referencing here? What is labor dealing with here? The word labor means just what we would think it means. It means this, the toil or the effort. See what Solomon's declared in verse number 9? He has said, two are better than one. It is to our advantage. It is to our profit. It helps us to have someone go through life with us, to have the friends, to have the relationships. It's better because there's a reward to that, But the reward comes as a result of our labor, our toil, our effort. See, here's what serves as a challenge. Here's what serves as kind of an obstacle into you and I being as social and as connected as we ought to be. It requires work on our part to be social and to be connected and to be involved in other people's lives. It requires effort on our part. And when we're honest, maybe not for everyone, but when many of us are honest, here is what we would have to admit. We don't want to put forth the effort that is required to have the relationships that we really do need in this life. See, think about it as it relates to us. And I know Solomon could not have begun to envision this whenever he penned these words. But but think about the culture that we live in now. See, we live in a day where everyone is supposedly connected by way of social media, correct? So we've got friends all across the globe. We've got friends right here in Pampa. We've got them in other states. We've got them in other countries. We've got them in other continents. And we've got all these friends that require what of us nothing think about it i've got 400 friends huh 400 i've got 1500 friends really what's that friendship cost you lately just a click and a scroll and the occasional like or the occasional heart or whatever the other social medias may be but do you realize that in today's social media where we're connected with all of our friends and all of our family we really don't have to put much labor or effort into those relationships which means this it's really not that much of a relationship And that would be a good time for you to at least nod your head and say, you're right, that's not much of a relationship if I never invest or involve myself in that person's life. With all the technology that we have afforded to us today, with everything that is available to us today, if we're honest, here is what we would have to admit. We're not very well connected with people because it takes Effort to connect with people to make our lives as good as they ought to be. I shared with the Sunday school class this morning that they were going to get kind of a double dose. Not intended, but just the way it worked out. But I want us to think about this for just a moment. If two are better than one, if we are married, shouldn't it be getting really good at home before it gets good anyplace else? But you know why most marriages aren't that close and why most marriages aren't that strong and most marriages aren't that tight? It's very simple because most men and women are not willing to put forth the effort needed to make it what it needs to be. Two are only better than one, and you only get the reward out of it, the benefit of it, when you are willing to put forth the effort required to make it good and to make it right. Man, if two are better than one and three is better than two, shouldn't it be as good as it can get inside a family unit? We've got our spouse and we've got our children. Think about it. It should be that as a married person, we would look at our spouse and say, because of the effort we have put into this, we have got one of the greatest relationships we could imagine. But in order to make it even stronger and to make it even better, we've got to invest in our children. But that takes effort. And so many times parents don't want to put forth the effort. And again, that'd be a good time for us to nod our head and say, you're right. It does require a lot of effort. And a lot of times we as parents don't want to put forth that effort. If we're honest, we would have to say this it takes effort to get to know our neighbors and to really be a neighbor to them. It takes effort, so here's what we would rather do. We'd just rather keep it casual. I don't want to get too serious about this. I just want it to be neighborly, but, you know, not really friends because they're just weird anyways. Would we admit to sometimes not wanting to be very neighborly and friendly to our neighbors? Okay, maybe not, but some of us struggle with this. You know, if two are better than one and three are better than two and five is better than four and ten is better than nine, I wonder how well we would be benefited if we were as connected to our church family as we ought to be. I mean, think about how much strength and support can be found amongst a church body. But that requires effort. That requires me talking to someone new at the church fellowships, and, well, I'm just not comfortable doing that. So what I'd rather do, because I know better and I don't really need anyone more than what I've already got, I'll just kind of migrate to the people that, that I always sit with and always talk to, and, and even with them, we'll just kind of keep it shallowy and, and surface-y and not too deepy. Just trying to see if we're awake, because it requires effort. It requires effort on an off night to invite that church family over that you don't know real well. And it requires effort to say, okay, I I know it's not really what you know we would want to do. I I know, honey, it's not really our nature to open our home, but but why don't we invite the so-and-sos over, and, and why don't we invite this family over and this individual? Why don't we do that? We don't do it so many times because it just requires too much effort on our part. See, Solomon made it very clear two are better than one, and so he automatically, by saying that, agrees with what God said in Genesis chapter 2, that it's not good for us to be alone. But then we get to that whole labor part, and we're like, nope, nope, I'm, I'm good. I don't, need to, I don't need to put forth that much effort into it. No, if we want relationships that count, and if we want relationships that matter, then we have to be willing to put forth the effort in those relationships. Now, let me just say this, and just so that you understand where where all this is headed. Obviously, we need to be putting forth the effort, not waiting on others to make the effort. I just don't have any friends because you're not putting forth any effort. I just, I don't feel too connected with, with those people at work. And you know, I just, I feel a distance with so many of my family members. And, and even at church, I just, I don't feel connected with so many of the people. I know their names, but I just, I, I just, I don't feel connected with them. It's because you're not putting forth the effort. There is great benefit to be had in as many quality relationships as we can establish, but we have got to recognize it takes effort on our part. Sometimes the effort that it requires, sometimes the labor that it requires on our part is to accept the labor That other people have extended to us. Hello? See, someone extends relationship opportunities to us, but if we're not careful, I'm not interested. No, I'm good. No, I, I, I I'm not I, I don't really get into that kind of stuff. No, we're we're gonna pass a rain check. Yeah, rain check. No. We don't know better than God. If someone is making the effort to try to establish a relationship with us. The effort may be on our part that we need to be willing to accept their labor and move forward together. Let's be honest. If if we could for just a moment, have we ever gotten frustrated that some people are just so clingy and they're just so friendly and they're just so so just people people? It's like. Man, just get away from me. I don't need you. No, no, no. You do. I understand some people are pest and obnoxious and they just need to go away for a little bit. But, but sometimes it's just a genuine effort on their part. But because we're so selfish and lazy in this, we don't want to put forth an effort to reciprocate a friendship. we ought got to ask ourselves, When was the last time I put forth the effort to develop the relationships that I need? Well, Brother Kyle, you don't understand. I just, I don't need people. You're lying and you're saying that you know better than God. You do need people. Well, Brother Kyle, I'm just not that social butterfly that flitters to all these different social events and family events and things that are going on. I, 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 I got you. Listen, I said it's okay for us to have alone time from time to time. It's okay. It's needed. It's profitable. It's helpful. But in the big picture of things, it's not beneficial. It's not helpful. So when was the last time we put forth the effort to develop relationships that we need whether we realize we need it or not. When was the last time you said to yourself, I'm going to put more effort into this marriage that I have? When was the last time we as parents or grandparents said, I'm going to put more effort into my relationship with the kids and the grandkids? When was the last time you looked at your neighbor and you said to yourself, I know they're weird and I know that we don't agree on a lot of things, but I'm going to be a friend to them because it'll be good for me in the long run and it'll be good for them in the long run? When was the last time we looked at that person at work and we said, you know what, if nothing else, I can be a friend to them? When was the last time at church we looked around and we said something like this, I don't need to just know their names, I need to know them. I need to be a friend to them. And when was the last time when somebody extended the friendship to us, we put down our selfish, lazy approach to relationships and said, Okay, I'm going to work at this one because obviously they want to work at it. When was the last time we did that? I think if most of us were honest, we would have to admit this. We go through life fairly disconnected from people. We know a lot of people, but we don't know very many at all. There's coming a day that we'll regret that approach to life. There is coming a day that we will wish we had more people in our lives because it really is to our advantage in times of need, in times of attack where we need encouragement. It really is to our advantage to have people around us. And the more we have, the stronger we are. But it will take effort on our part. What kind of effort, what kind of labor, what kind of toil are we putting into relationships? The ones that we've had for years, the ones that we've only had maybe for months. What kind of effort are we putting into it? We can excuse it all day long, but at the end of the day, it's just excuses. What am I doing? What are you doing? Put forth the effort to make relationships what they're supposed to be. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning, I pray that you would challenge each of us. God, I know that I need this myself because so many times I don't want to put forth the effort. I just I, I don't want to, to put forth the labor that is required to have a friend, to be a friend, to meet new people. So many times I think I know better than you. So, God, I pray that you'd challenge us in this regard, that you'd help us to be more open, to be more uh, serious about our need for people in our lives. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.